American Craftsman Podcast is sponsored by Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries. From hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, shop carts, wood glue, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines such as Looks LED lighting and Slido door hardware ensure that every project you create is built to last. Learn more at Hayfla.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Yeah. We're joined today by the illustrious Dr. Butts himself, <laughs> Ed Johns. Hey, thanks for having me. I th- I'm pretty sure I'm the only person that calls you Dr. Butts. Right. But um, you have sort of this alter ego, buttjoints.com. Right. Yeah, it's just two by fours and drywall screws covered <laughs> in type on three. <laughs> what about duct tape? You use any duct tape? Um, maybe that's a 2024 goal. Introduce more duct tape. Yeah, some of the T-Rex tape. Yeah. Need a new sponsor for, for the coming year, right? Yeah. Yeah, duck brand. Oh, yeah. Duct. Duck. That always gets me. Yeah. Yeah, which came... F- well... Yeah, which came first, the duck or the duct? I, I think it was always ducked with a T, and then yeah. we mispronounced it and always called it duct tape. But there is a brand, duct. Yes, right. yeah, yes. Yeah. I think they piggybacked on yeah. uh, the vernacular. Well, this is one of those opportunities where <laughs> you know, we have this. Um, <laughs> this thing called the Google Web. Yeah, let's see. What came first, the duck or the duct? When did duck... Brand tape. Yeah, somebody's already Googled it. Yeah. 1984. So, um, yeah. Um, long after the uh, advent <laughs> of, well, that's when was, when was duct tape invented? Uh, iconic tape was invented by an Illinois mom named Vesta Stout and wanted to save, who wanted to save soldiers' lives in World War II. Here was 1943, and Stout, who had two sons serving in the U.S. Navy, was working at the Green River Ordnance Plant near Amboy, Illinois. Huh. You ever uh, look up uh, history of band aids? I don't think so. It was like a guy, and his wife was getting all these like cuts from like cooking and sewing and stuff. He's like, "Oh, we can." He came up with this idea to put a little bandage on tape. Huh. When I think of that, I'm like, "Well, what were they doing before?" Right. <laughs> Like tying a piece of gauze. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it was. Oh, yeah. It was like wrapping gauze. Yeah. yeah. Just bleeding all over the when place. Was, when was that? Like oh. the 40s or 50s or something? Yeah, I don't know. It was like a Johnson & Johnson thing. Or, well, I guess. Yeah. When was the Band-Aid invented? 1920. Band-Aid was invented in 1920 by a Johnson & Johnson employee, Earl Dixon, in Highland Park, New Jersey. Wow. Shout out to New Jersey for his wife, Josephine, who frequently cut and burned herself while cooking. Prototype allowed her to dress her wounds without assistance. So, oh, yeah, because I guess you'd have to like yeah. hold a piece of bandage and then wrap tape around it. So he was just tired of helping her, so yeah. he invented something. <laughs> Listen, woman, if I got to wait an extra 30 seconds for my dinner, we're going to have a problem. Um, uh, looking at that uh, picture... Do you guys remember the steel, the metal containers? I was for just Band-Aids? about to say that. Yeah, I remember when they came with that the little flip lid. Yeah, yeah, those were pretty cool. Those containers. Yeah. Now everything's in just like a little flimsy cardboard box. Great. You can buy like fancy band aids in like a. They're not. I'm sure they have like that too. But mm-hmm. um, Hunter has some. You know, kids love 
fucking band-aids <laughs> yeah with the stuff on it right with the picture yeah and, but, and like they want a band-aid for everything so like i try and tell i'm like band-aids are for blood <laughs> um you know like if you have a scratch that doesn't warrant a band-aid you know yeah. like a band-aid is to cover up something that's bleeding um i mean maybe i'm being a, a, a I mean, dick it, but <laughs> it does make the complaining stop so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like i you know i don't yeah yeah, you know, when you're a parent, you overanalyze all these stupid little things. Like, I don't want him, you know, yeah. going through life thinking he needs a Band-Aid for... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, my wife bought some Band-Aids and they're in like a metal thing like that. But it's like a separate lid. Okay. And it's more, it's it doesn't stand up like that, at least flat. Anyway. Like, yeah. I like the cloth kind now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They stick better. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could put one of those on all day and work in the shop. Yeah. Uh, the the plastic ones that are good are like a clear, mm-hmm. like a clear, I think they're like the waterproof ones. Yeah. Those they're hold like, on pretty good. Yeah. For swimming. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, se- they're sealed on all sides. Right. That's the one thing about the Band-Aid is that this right here, it's like, you know, this goes edge to edge when really. Yeah. Needs a little bit of adhesive on the sides. Though. Yeah. I guess, you know, sometimes you got to use two. And overlap them um, if it's a large wound. Yeah. Anyway, we went real off the rails about <laughs> 40, 40 seconds in. Well, you know, it's not an unrelated topic to, to Woodshop. Yeah. You know, we go through our share of uh, Band-Aids. I, 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 when we don't have Band-Aids here, I'm like the paper towel and masking tape. <laughs> mm. Black electrical tape so you can get some tension on it. Well, yeah, because mostly it's you're. It's not so much the the cut that's bothering you, but you can't get blood everywhere. Right. You know, it's yeah. like you, you start looking down and you're leaving stains <laughs> on your work. Install day by <laughs> usually about eight fifteen. Rob has blood on something. Oh yeah. Well, when I when I lived over here, we put carpet in the baby's room, mm-hmm. and we went over to the guy by um, the shop right. It's like uh, DNR flooring or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Manny used to work. <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the I'm just sitting there working from home, and like the guys are going in and out, and I see one guy run out of there just holding his hand. I'm like, oh shit. And carpet then, um, knife. Yeah, he hooked oh. himself real good. Oh. So they cleaned it up except for like three little drops on the. I'm like, oh okay, no one. Like I wouldn't, I would have helped you, but I guess some people would go nuts, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the carpet knife—that's a. Yeah, those are like some gnarly razor blades. Right, they're the hook, right? Yeah. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when they're yeah ripping mm-hmm. the stuff out. Um, I was gonna say I we have that green tape. I like that stuff. I don't know what it's called. It's like oh uh, yeah yeah. It's uh, it's almost like gauze that has, but it's not thick like that. It's like a like a one ply gauze that sticks to itself. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the hell it's called. Oh, like Kerflex or something like uh, that. Let me grab it. Okay. Yeah, that's that stuff's great because you can wrap right and uh, get some tension. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like almost like athletic tape. Right? So that works pretty good, and it just it has like it's almost like a like a tack cloth, right? yeah. Right. And uh, it sticks to itself, but, you know, the edge always wants to come up. So it's like, I use this, and then, like, I'll put some electrical tape or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you got to secure it somehow. Yeah. But the electrical tape right on the skin, that, <laughs> that residue that it yeah. leaves, yeah. that stuff doesn't want to come off. <laughs> the best is when you have to do it, like, nice and tight, so you can't, like, oh, yeah. your finger. Like, the tip of my finger is getting awfully purple. <laughs> 
you were an EMT. Yeah, for like 10 years. So, wow. so you're like, yeah, these idiots don't know how to dress yeah. a wound. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You've seen it all. I mean, yeah. So it's a, there's like tips you pick up. Like if you're wrapping a limb, right, you start small to go large. Because if you go the other way, it falls on itself. Oh, oh yeah. That's good. So, good pointer right there. Yeah. Prepare for the, the impending uh, <laughs> apocalypse. Right. Yeah. Tourniquets. Yeah. Or what is it when the world doesn't end, but it just gets <laughs> just the just dystopia. Going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dystopian Prepare. future. Yeah. Oh, man. So you hear that, people? When, uh, when the zombie apocalypse, when the zombie dystopia sets in, wrap your wounds from small to large. Yeah. Israeli bandages are cool, too. They're, um, they look like, a, like an ace bandage mm-hmm. with a pad on it. But then there's a like a plastic, um, was like a hoop, and you can twist it to get tension on it. Oh, so it's not quite a tourniquet, but you can do like a tension bandage, so like a pressure bandage. So you kind of like isolate the area. Yeah, or like get pressure to to help stop without. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I, I've seen like a, a several woodworkers that keep like a tourniquet in the shop. Right. I mean, it's not a bad idea. No. So the the thing is, like, you can buy it, but you got to practice with it. Yeah. Because when your femur's squirting, you're, like, you're not going to know what's going on. Yeah. You know? Like, you're lucky if you're, you haven't passed out by that point. Right. Yeah, you got about a minute, maybe. Yeah. You know? Oh, jeez. So yeah. It's like the Heimlich. You yeah. know what I mean? You, if, if, if you don't practice. Right. Yeah. And, and so the, I, I went to a combat life-saving class once with, mm-hmm. a, with a Navy corpsman, and he had a... Uh, a saying that was, you never rise to the occasion, you fall to your highest level of training. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. like, that was intense. Like, um, we, were, we were out in Connecticut and we were doing, uh, well, this is good for a woodworking podcast, right? Um, we were doing like scenarios and you had like rubber guns and like explosions and IEDs. And oh he, this guy was a great instructor. His name's Chris Stoner. Uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. He's out in like Montana or somewhere, but, uh, like if you got a group of guys together and fly him out, he'll bring all this stuff. Hmm. But um, what he did was he altered the scenarios to the the students' level of training. So if there was just like you know some guys off the street, he'd be like, "Oh, this guy got hit by a car. Help him." Whereas like I made the mistake of being like, "Yeah, I was an EMT, and um, there's a guy who was like an operating room tech, so we're not as scared of like blood or anything." So he gave us this situation where there's like people shooting each other and there's a bomb going <laughs> off and like, and we're like, ah, oh, crap, we should have told this guy. So it's so real that, um, people yeah. passing by, cause it was at a, uh, karate studio mm-hmm. that's in like one of those business, uh, development parks. It looks like a storage unit. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So we were there on like a Sunday and some people were just there like checking on, they, they, um, called the cops on us cause they thought it was real. Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like you need like a big sign yeah. or something yeah. that says like, Training in in progress. yeah. So he had called them and said like we're doing some you know messed up stuff, but apparently with the shift change or something, the message never got there. Oh. So yeah, it was like it was a good class. It was worth the money. Yeah, so, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I I when I was uh, diving, I took sure. my rescue diving mm. uh, certificate class, but it was like that, that. If you don't do it, I right. mean, like, there's no way. Like, I can remember like little bits and pieces but i don't think i could yeah, save right. anybody yeah did you ever see deepest breath on uh i think it's on netflix no it's a documentary about these people who are in competitions see us far down in the water oh free diving free diving yeah and it's yeah. insane like some of them will come up and they're just brain dead they're done 
Don't they go down for like 20 minutes or something? Like I, I think it's like eight, nine, something like that. That's crazy, like, isn't it? They're like 300 meters down or something. Oh like, God. And they said the pressure just of all the water is just. Yeah, yeah. you have to go up in stages. Otherwise, yeah. you get the bends. And it's, I guess it's like chasing the dragon, right? So like they go lower and lower and lower. And it's like, I got to do this, you know? Yeah, like how do you know what your breaking point is until you just die? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, right. guess that was too far. <laughs> That's like those guys that do the rock climbing without, right. uh, you know, ropes and stuff. I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. I saw a video the other day. I think it was, I think it was on Instagram. Instagram now it's like, I don't know about you. Uh, you probably aren't on enough, but it's like, I see like six people die on Instagram daily now. <laughs> She's already watching. <laughs> it just comes up. <laughs> But this lady, I think it was El Capitan. Yeah. Um, she was protesting someone who got like a ret, like a climber who got arrested or something, something like that, uh, like a free climber. So she, oh no, it was, I think it was another base jumper. She base jumped off of it and her okay. parachute never opened and she just right. like hit the ground. <sighs> so uh, in college, I went down to Embry Riddle for a year to be a pilot. Yeah. So in Flagler in Florida, they have a skydiving school. So I was like, I'm going to do that, you know? And there's two ways you can do uh, your first parachute jump. You can do tandem where you're just strapped to a guy. They're like, sign here, let's go. Then there's called AFF, Advanced Freefall. So it's an eight-hour class, and you jump out with two instructors, and they're just physically holding on to your, your jumpsuit. And then once you pull the cord, you're on your own. Huh. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to die. I'm going to be strapped to another guy. Yeah, it's like, come <laughs> on. I feel like it's, you know... A little right. more in your control, too. It's like, I don't have to worry yeah. about this guy. So, anyway, we're going through the class. And of course, it's like 6 in the morning. And, like, I'm a college. She's like, I'm not paying attention, you know. <laughs> and um, so then after lunch, they're like, all right, you know, you learned everything. And um, they're, like, real cool about it, too. They're like, yeah. So if all else goes fit wrong and you're going to hit and you have both your shoots are done, well, if you're going to uh, land in water or land on land, land on land because you might drown, and if, uh, oh, yeah, you get knocked out, and you know, and if all else really fails, you know, aim for the most expensive car in the parking lot, you know, <laughs> so, anyway, um, the instructor that I was supposed to go with, um, hit his face on the plane. Like, so the, it's called a sky van. So it's like a refrigerator with a door that opens up the back and then everybody just jumps out. Hmm. So I guess he jumped too high or something and he smashed his face up and apparently they had to wash the blood off the plane. Oh, wow. <laughs> So they found, so I guess it's like a hippie thing where all these skydivers, you just hang out at the airport. So they found a guy named Laddie and um, this dude just in vans and like cargo shorts. He's got his sunglasses on the back of his head, but he's got his instructor license. Like we got this guy going with you. Oh God. <laughs> so, we got a fill in, a stand in. And he was cool as shit. And he's like, are you nervous? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. And he's like, yeah. So that's the number one rule is if you don't get the butterflies, it's time to stop. Cause you're going to do something stupid. Yeah. That's then, with anything in life, I think. Yeah. So then I find out, like, in the line, this dude got arrested for, like, all these base jumping off, like, cooling plant <laughs> towers, and he's jumped off that Jesus statue in Brazil or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, this guy knows what he's doing, you know? And um, so they give the the students the biggest parachutes possible because it's just, like, you're just dumb thinking around. This dude has a parachute that looks like a camelback. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, but that was, that was fun, though. We were talking about base jumping, so. Yeah, those, like, base jumpers, some of them are just, like, holding it in their hand. Yeah, right, and they throw and they, it. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> so. You're not going to catch me doing that. Like, right. I, I would, 
I would probably skydive. Right. Um, I'm not going to like go like seek it out. But like if if I was somewhere and they're like, hey, you want to go skydiving? Be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but I'm definitely not going to base job. Yeah. I mean, you got to have a lot of experience for that. So. I guess. Yeah, maybe. But- so if, you don't hit something. If right, I skydived, yeah. maybe I'd be like, oh man, now I'm going to base jump. But yeah. yeah I think it's like it's 10, gateway drug. 10 or 12 jumps before you get your basic license. And then there's different categories of what you're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, once, maybe twice is probably good enough for me. But yeah. It's like scuba diving or like, uh, I don't know what else would be comparable. It's like, you got to have a pretty good uh, expendable income to <laughs> yeah. be getting into That's these kind of hobbies. That's why I stopped. Yeah. You know, it was like, a five thousand dollar right. trip, yeah. and my wife didn't want to go. So it's like that's a hard thing yeah. to navigate. You know, it's like I'm gonna go take this trip. You stay home. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm gonna go to Grenada and scuba dive for a yeah, week okay. with my friends for five thousand dollars, and you know, plus all the training and everything. It's <clears> like <throat> it's not even like you can just go and scuba dive. You no. have to take all these classes, and you got to stay up on it. Yeah, so the barrier to entry is like really right. high. Got to have all the gear. Yeah, <clears throat> it's. Yeah, it was way too expensive of a hobby for somebody like me. And, um, it, you know, it's it, it, it was an experience, I'll, I'll say that. I mean, I did do some right. deep dive and I went down to like 120 feet to see this shipwreck and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I don't think I would do it again. <laughs> yeah, like how long? Is, you, you would probably have to get recertified, right? Yeah, I probably would. I don't know how long those things last, but I, I wouldn't even feel safe yeah. like right. going out now. So if you like go to the Bahamas, you can't just like go scuba diving. No. Huh. Yeah, like sometimes they do the class like in the pool at the hotel or yeah, something. Yeah. 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 I've mean, seen they have those things, it's kinda of like a helmet. Yeah. Or it's uh, like a maybe it like covers like half of your body. It's like a there, yeah, there's like an air bubble in there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But aren't you, you like could, sitting on like a scooter yeah, or something? Yeah, that's what I was thinking that, but I thought I'm like, that's great. Sounds crazy. <laughs> um, I feel like you could probably do something like that, but yeah. Yeah. yeah well, Cause the certification is, you know, it's like a pretty, it, I don't remember exactly how long it took, but um, you know, a couple of went over a couple of months. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of book learning and a lot, and each, stage has a you know a practical where you go in the water and you got to you know perform certain things and it's uh the, the one thing i do remember is that you know you have like each you have the octo that right. which is your spare thing so you always have a buddy that you're oh, right. diving with and it's like let's say something happens to your oxygen you're supposed to be able to share right. mine but the the test um Dis- disallows that you have to share your actual oh, okay. um, oxygen. So you uh, let's say you're out of oxygen. I breathe for ten seconds, then I give you my oxygen for ten seconds. Right. And then when you get the first thing you do when you get the oxygen is you have to exhale because there's, there's water, water in it now, and it's the longest ten seconds. <laughs> So it does it have a, it has a one way valve so you can yeah. blow water through it. Right. So okay. you get it, you put it in your mouth and you exhale, blow it out and then you can breathe and you get, you know, you can breathe for 10 seconds. <laughs> so you do that for a couple of minutes and it's, it's, it's really a mental game, right. yeah. you know, <laughs> I've never really done anything that requires like that kind of like 
you know, taking a bunch of class. I mean, I guess like getting like a hunting license would be the mm-hmm. closest thing. This is one class though. Um, now I guess it's all online. I think I, I think I went to a couple. Oh yeah. Cause I remember it. There was like an online class and then mm-hmm. there was a field day where they teach you how to like climb over a fence. And yeah. They're yeah. like, yeah, you got safely go <laughs> under a fence, over a fence. You got to shoot a couple clay pigeons. Yeah. And put your gun on the other side before you fall on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I did that back in like uh, 1998 or 1999. So it's right. What's well, like even like the motorcycle class, right? Like if I got another motorcycle, I'd go back to the to the safety class. Just mm-hmm. and then like I don't have to pass it, but at least because that they, they don't just do the the minimum. They teach you like some defensive driving too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so, the pylons. Right. And- yeah, we've had a couple of people who ride motorcycles on and the. The uh, general consensus is that it's mighty scary out there. <laughs> yeah. for, right. I mean, it's scary enough in a car. <laughs> exactly. That's that's me too. It's like I won't go back on a bike right. on the roads. It, it's just it's not worth it. Yeah. And you see a lot of dickhead motorcycle drivers too. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I I mean, especially when I rode. Yeah. You know, because it's it just it right. gives off all the wrong info. Leaving here like on a Friday in the summer. Oh. It's because, you know, I'm going uh, south on 36 and it's only a couple miles, but, you know, it's like the super speedway out there. Yeah. Stoplight races. Right. Yeah. I live right between two lights on yeah. 36. <laughs> like I live on the corner of the highway and uh, it's, it's brutal, right? Like we try and eat dinner outside <laughs> in the summertime sometimes and right. it's like nearly yeah. impossible. It's just like... <laughs> And, you know, they're in packs of three or four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not much further off the road. So we share that same agony. It's crazy. There was that guy that died a couple of years ago. They were paving the roads. And there was like a five or six inch difference. Oh, wow. And he tried to go up instead of down. And that didn't work out for him. Jeez. Yeah. When I was living in Highlands, um, this is so this is probably going back at least five years. It's five to ten years. Um, a guy died on the bridge on a motorcycle. Wow! Yeah, there was like a bunch of trap. I think he like plowed into the back of a car. He was probably trying to split lanes, going real fast. Yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know that corner by my house, Chestnut. Oh, yeah. yeah, there was an accident there last night. There's like at least one a month. At least one a month there. You know that that dumps out like right. In front of that side entrance on Wilson Ave to Food Town, uh, it's that yeah, little, yeah, yeah. it connects yeah. Main Street and Wilson. Yeah. Right. yeah, we'd be in the shop and we'd just hear like, <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh, yeah. What time is it? Because like when school lets out and stuff like that, and the way the lights are timed, the the intersection's too close to the intersection right. at thirty six. Yeah. So the cars back up and everybody's trying to sneak out and it, it's just people yeah. coming from the wet side. Yeah. They're doing like, you know, yeah. it's foot on the gas. Say a hundred yards from the other side, let's say two hundred yards from the other side of Wilson Avenue to Chestnut. They're doing sixty by the time <laughs> they get to Chestnut. Yeah, you know, they're just right. like, and it's it's like a little bit of like a hill because the highway's crown, you know. Yeah. So they come up over this blind thing doing sixty, and some grandpa pulls, you know, he's trying to get to food town, yeah. right? And it's foot on the gas, so like the re- reaction time yeah. just isn't enough to get your foot onto the brake, and they always wind up in Ed's yard. 
Yeah. <laughs> or somebody would be pulling out of food town trying to go across yeah. onto Chestnut yeah. and the traffic's backed up. That's when they really get wild. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, Ed, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Yeah. So, I consider myself a woodworker, mm-hmm. uh, mostly hobbyist. Um, I'm a software systems engineer for a real job. Um, then, uh, so I got into like the Instagram maker community, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, previous to that, I've I just did like homeowner stuff and renovated a couple of bathrooms. And but so I started off, you know, gathering tools and things out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I moved into a place that had a garage so I could start doing more of the stuff, you know, the hobbyist woodworker stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Got involved with like the the maker camp stuff and the clubhouse guys, and uh, now I'm just kind of having fun with it all. Uh, I do have buttjoins.com, which uh, <laughs> we're, we're I've been on it. Yeah, so right now you know it, actually there's a yeah we have a sticker right there yeah. right right below Matt from First Do's. Uh, oh okay. Or, yeah, uh, he's, sorry, above. <laughs> nice above. <laughs> so I mean, so I mean that's funny, right? And it's catchy, and you remember it. But like when I started. You'd watch like all these YouTube videos of like English guys like uh, making hand cut dovetails and they're yeah, explaining Paul the, Sellers the, and the, like Paul Sellers isn't too bad, but there's like guys yeah, he's that are, not super pretentious. Yeah, and it's like this is the perfect squeeze out ratio, and you need a degree in carpentry <laughs> to make this. And it's like oh, fuck yeah. that, you know? <laughs> squeeze out. So yeah. like yeah. it's kind of like a re- reminder to like not be too pretentious about it. You yeah, know? like just make something that you like, you know. And like, uh, I like the humility factor of it because that's something that that's lacking. Yeah. Well, that it grinds my gears huge is like, uh, you know, the pretentious, um, hobbyist woodworker who takes themselves way too seriously. It's like, listen, man, (laughs) like, (laughs) come on. (laughs) Well, if you think about it, what's a butch way, right? Like kids put stuff together all the time that's woodworking right you make yeah. a shelf with nails and like mm-hmm. you know so yeah. just go back to basics right? yeah and i have fun with it with their you know, type on and and uh, like the feuds we get into with like hatch and all that yeah and so there was that whole era where i was just making dumb reels of pallet wood and i did like that <laughs> so i that, thought there was something there yeah i gotta bring that back in a different in a new uh new format i think yeah so yeah, if you come up with like a formula where, you know, like a like you have a store a set storyboard and it's like each reel uses yeah. the same layout, but you just change the subject matter. Yeah, but I mean like I'm always doing something different. So it's almost yeah. like a Chris Powell's just like oh, that's what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Um I would like to kind of get to the point where like I'll make a bunch of cutting boards or something and like make ten or fifteen of them. Hey, here they are. Just do like drops just to yeah. just to kind of get it to pay for itself. But I don't have any illusions of actually like, you know quitting my job over this or anything, but I think that's a mistake that a lot of people or like a, a misguided fantasy that a lot of people have. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like the restaurant business. Yeah. yeah. Like I like to fish. It's like, I know that, uh, well, that's maybe it's not a good analogy. Like it, if I was a professional fisherman, I don't think it would ruin it for <laughs> me, but it's like a lot of people enjoy doing woodworking, but it's like, if you turn it into a job, right. It's not as much fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if, if you need to do it to eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this, you know, having this as a job comes with a lot of uh, right. 
You there know? are other stressors and well, factors, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, I hear you guys in, like, Clubhouse and stuff, and it seems like the work's fine, but it's, like, dealing with the customers yeah. and doing this and subcontractors and deliveries. That it, seems like it really drags you down. Yeah, it's like, you know, when something goes wrong, you have to figure out a solution. There's, you know, you don't have as much flexibility because you're building something for a client. It's like we showed them this rendering of what it's going to look like. It's like, you can't just go changing right. things around because we screwed up. It's like, we either got to make it again or, or, uh, you know, come up with a really good solution. That's going to be <laughs> undetectable. I feel like if you guys had like a, like a salesman and then like a, somebody to talk to the customers and you guys could just build the stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, like a designer sort of is right. a yeah. go between. Yeah, it's not even so much like commu- I like communicating with the clients and and you know because coming from like the restaurant business, it's like pretty similar. But yeah, it's all the it's just all the stuff that goes wrong. Right. The clients are usually very nice. Okay. So. I think yeah, you know we get uh get some people who suck, but we try <laughs> and like head them off at the. At, okay. the, at the beginning, well, you, know. you already know how it's going to go, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, we could see that. <laughs> yeah, we are not going to want to work with you. Yeah, so, I, I think I'm done with customers forever. Just yeah, just between like because I, I that maybe because you were in fine dining, right? Like mm. that was in like you know delivery, pizza guy, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then now I deal with uh, customers on the software side of things, and it's like, uh, oh, I mean, I'm probably I don't want to go in a negative light, but. You know how they <laughs> welcome to the <laughs> welcome to our podcast. <laughs> it's just like your top ten percent of customers you love, and then there's like the middle group that give you all the problems. So it's like, oh yeah, that's true. You know. <laughs> so you're a problem solver. You're a tech guy. Yeah. So I'm in the fulfillment group, which is like a little bit of uh, customer service. There's tech su- tech support. We do stuff for like uh, reporting for management, um, chase the payments. So it's. You know what? You ever see the movie Office Space? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so the guy who gets fired first. Uh, oh, yeah. The guy who makes the game. He, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm i a people person. I, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. The, you, you never want to let the engineers talk to the customers directly. So I'm the guy in between. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A jump to conclusions. Matt. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's my joke. I'm the guy that gets fired first. You know? <laughs> so. That's a good movie. Right. Yeah, that's a great movie. I, I I love the scene where they're uh bashing up the copier. Oh yeah. Yeah, John uh JCH Cabinets, he actually um he like recreated that with a smoke detector. Okay. He re- he reposted it recently. It was like 10 years ago or something or maybe 5 years ago. Um you know, cuz he's he works in all these houses and they can't like pull the tab out or something until inspection, something like that. So these, they're always beeping like, oh, low geez, battery okay. and it was like always in the back of his, his video. So he like made a, a, uh, this is before reels even existed. Just an Instagram video post of him just like smashing <laughs> with the same music, like smashing up this smoke uh, detector. We had talked about doing it with the Oliver planer that we oh, had. Right. Yeah. But a couple of people were like, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Whatever happened to... Uh, oh, I don't know if we're going to go there. Never never mind. <laughs> the thing with Matt Viz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that oh. just popped into my head, oh, too. okay. Um, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, because I think I sent him 20 bucks. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, if you're listening, you're supposed to smash up that router plane. <laughs> or Was that... 
Was it definitely that he was going to destroy it? I thought that's what it was. That's what I thought. Yeah. Maybe he's busy with his new shop. Yeah, I'm going to have to text him. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd like to see that. Apparently, they redesigned that router plane. Oh. Yeah. I didn't buy one, so I don't have any skin in the game. Me neither. That J. Katz Moses. Yeah. What a faker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, what was I going to say? Something popped into my head before. Oh, you've been getting in a big time into 3D printing. Oh, yeah. So I got the, the bamboo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no skill required. Um. <laughs> that thing is like taking the 3D printing yeah, dude, world yeah. by storm. Well, I mean, you've had Enders before, and you know how like yeah. fidgety they are. This is open a model and hit print. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I've been watching this uh, YouTube channel with my son called uh, Wicked Makers, and they, uh, they do all this, like, um, they'll take, like, an animatronic from... Not animatronic, whatever. One of these things from Spirit of Halloween, like a skeleton that like moves around, and then they turn it into like they turned it into a spring trap from Five Nights at Freddy's, which is like you know this thing that all these kids like right now. It's like a a scary uh, Chuck E. Cheese character kind okay. of thing. But they like three D print all these mm-hmm. things, and and he's like, oh, he's like maybe you could three. I'm like, oh man, I gotta, <laughs> like I don't want to get back into this end, like that, you know, the end because you had one. Right. The ender could be like a black hole of, yeah. of headaches. Well, I mean, yeah, because you buy it for two hundred bucks, and then mm-hmm. you need the the silent board and the the touchy thing, yeah. and then you need the level. It. So you're in it for three, four, five hundred dollars before you even have something that's reliable. And then even with all that stuff, it's like. You know, when you break a belt, it's not like it's very easy to change. Right. You know, so that's, I have, I have, uh, we had two when we were doing all that stuff. We sold one. I still have one and it has a broken belt. And actually, um, the original, I forget what happened. The original one I bought, I bought from a website that seemed like a little shady. So I canceled it, but then it showed up and I got a, I forget, but my mother-in-law has that one and they never even opened it. So I'm like, there is like a brand new Ender 3 sitting in a box. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe. I don't know, just throw it on Facebook and buy the bamboo, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I don't want to drop like six, seven hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. But I don't know. By the time you get done like fidgeting with it, like it's, I don't know. Yeah. I'd sooner just not do any 3D. (laughs) (laughs) So like. I think there's a whole thing like, ah, oh, you're just going to make toys with it and mm-hmm. you contribute to the plastic pollution or whatever. But, yeah. But like, if you see like what Corey Odyssey, sees, yeah. like he's making like Fixtures functional like shop things. We've, uh, you know, used it for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. We have screw boxes that I made yeah. three right. years ago that we still use every day. You know? Right. And, so, you know, we could have bought them somewhere, but yeah, at the time we didn't know what, you know. Well, yeah, and I think the the biggest thing is like modeling, right? Like mm-hmm. fusion or whatever. Like if you get that part down, it's like, oh well, all right, just let it print overnight, and I have it tomorrow. Like I think you just have to use that in the right, the right setting, and then it could actually be like an asset to to you know the tools you already have. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, it's great for like doing uh, dust collection fitting. Yeah, and that's stuff what like I was that. gonna say. For like all the weird vacuum yeah. adapters, even like those uh, paint stand things that, oh the triangles yeah. yeah yeah well our buddy dino he um printed out these ones that have like a slot and um and like an elevated part so you can you know move them around like you know to make mm-hmm. like a painting turntable um he uses a bamboo for that he 3d prints so much <laughs> yeah. 
because he makes all these vacuum pads and stuff. Um, he's coming out with a dust collection port for like a Bloom mini press. Mm. Yeah. I'd like to do something with our our hinge pouring machine. That thing makes so much, yeah. so many shavings. Yeah. Right. I bored what? Uh, five doors yesterday. Yeah. And it's just, and it was like a <laughs> mountain of oak chips. That thing is nice though. Yeah. It's weird though, because the dust port it, opening is flat against the back. Yeah. It, it makes it so the machine has to come out. Yeah. I think we could probably, it had to be 3D printed, some kind of thing that yeah. comes off to the side. That or just drill a hole into the side. Yeah, you know what I mean? like <laughs> exactly. Hole saw, three, you know, four inch hole saw, hole right in the side. Because to put it in the back, it's it's crazy. I mean, how much yeah room you'd need. I think they figure, you know, kind of like a miter saw. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times, people have. Yeah. You know, we only have that twenty four inch deep cabinet there. So, what uh, what are you working on now? Um. Well, I'm getting a laser, hopefully tomorrow. Nice. So, uh, CO2. Mm-hmm. I just have the diode now, so I'm just kind of messing with that. So a uh, deal popped up where I can get a, a use CO2 from one of our buddies. And uh, so I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the speed of that. Yeah. And then, But then there's like, I got to put antifreeze in it and kind of learn how to focus things. Oh, uh, yeah, because yeah, unconditioned so. in the, yeah. So I think that, you know, it's not like a skill, but it's definitely knowledge, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I got to learn all that. So. Keith. Yeah. What are, what are your plans for the laser? Uh, well, I engrave stuff like cutting boards and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think I can make a little bit of money there. But I'd like to do like maybe router templates and uh, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of boxes or like the tab and slot kind of things. Um, so it, it'd be nice to get like two or three products that are, are mine. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of batch them out, you know. That's something so, that we've been talking about. You know, right. we have this laser and it sits there most of the time. We use right. it a lot for like making, like you saw those oak cabinets that we just did. They have that cut out in the toe. Right. Like I just cut a template on the laser and use it for mm-hmm. that. You know, it it's so much faster for me to just come in here and draw it and send it to the laser than it is to actually, you know, because the old school way yeah. would be, we would draw it on a piece of quarter inch, right. we would cut it out close. We would sand up to the line. Until you get you there. Know? Yeah. yeah. More accurate too. And yeah. And that's the thing. It never comes out perfect. Like those came out. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, perfect. You know. Right. It just takes the guesswork out of it. Yeah. I, I remember when I was making speakers all the time, stuff like that, trying to make a good template. Circle. Yeah. Oh, there's always like one spot that, and, and yeah. it just translates to everything that you right. do. Yeah. The hardest part is like if you have a radius and it meets up with a straight line. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that, there's always that, that transition. There's always yeah. a little. Yeah. <laughs> you either go past or or you yeah. don't go far enough. Right. And well, then you try and sand it out. And yeah, then you end it up always with, looks weird. Yeah, I hate that. That drives me insane. Well, I learned about the grid array function on Lightburn, so you can take a shape, uh-huh. and then there on the left, there's it looks like a like a grid. Oh yeah. So you touch it, and then you tell it. How many rows and columns and spacing? Yeah, and then it does it for you. I'm like that would be good for something like a speaker grate, mm-hmm. and you could use like any shape you want, like initials or you know, I'm like oh, that may be something. So that's how um, <clears throat> we do the salt boxes. But even just like this light light burn program, like you would, there's so much here that you would never know until you need to do it, and then you Google it. Yeah. Oh, so this is this is showing up on the. Uh, 
on the Montport that went back. <laughs> I get an email this morning from Montport. Thanks for joining our affiliate program. We've automatically <laughs> created an account for you and and a coupon code. I'm like, really? Oh, you have to make a reel of that. With the, you sure about that? Uh, yeah. Audio? Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to somehow change this back to uh, the correct bed size. But, yeah, that's how I have this. Is there's, okay. I think this is the original, and then I have an array. Yeah. This is just uh Four rows. Oh, so you're doing another 500 pretty soon. Yeah, the pre pre sale is this Friday. Okay, <laughs> that's your story. Yeah, yeah, that'll be mid <laughs> mid May delivery. Okay. So we got some time. I I got a quote back for the um for the wood, which came out to eh, about four grand. Okay. Yeah. You're using the Lewis uh, or uh, Okuch? Oh, no, okay. Lewis. Lewis's prices were okay. I hope Okuch isn't listening, but they <laughs> they weren't even close. Right. The cherry was relatively close, like within a dollar per piece, which that's not bad. You know, no. we're buying. I I figured for two hundred and eighty pieces of each, so we have uh, uh thirty extra pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and the walnut was like double. Right. So I wonder if it's just because they're set up for that and they do it all the time or. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, they might just have access to some really cheap walnut. I don't, right. Yeah, I don't know. Because I bought some stuff for the laser. Mm-hmm. Not not like your quantity, but they have those, uh, like the seconds boxes for yep. like 20 bucks. They'll send you like 30 pounds of wood. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, they seem like a good, good outfit. So I know it's like a, a family. Like it's right. just like one family that um, all like the kids and everything work there. Right. Um, so Ethan is the guy that I deal with there. He's like, I guess like the sales sales guy. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been happy with the material. Yeah. We yeah. haven't had like, you know, out of 2,500 pieces or whatever that we bought, like only so, a handful were like yeah. truly unusable. Right. You know, there were like so, maybe three boxes that were too sappy yeah. that we put in our seconds pile. Yeah. we got to give you a buck. Do you have, do you have one? Uh, no, I didn't get one. Yeah, yeah we got to give you one. Right. Reach into the grab bag. <laughs> yeah. They're on the floor now. They were on that cart. <laughs> I was halfway here and I forgot I didn't bring you the revision to uh, new friend stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, next time. Yeah, I got a whole bag of them. Yeah, Keith is a is a laser guy now and and a three D printer guy. Well, he can't be left behind. You know, you know, know his personality. Man, he's just developing all those skills. Yeah. No friends, but he's uh, <laughs> he's trying. <laughs> yeah, that fiber laser looks cool. Yeah, I don't do a lot of metal stuff, so I don't know if that'd be a good. Me neither. Yeah, not. I figure we know enough people where if we needed to engrave metal, we could get it done. Yeah, yeah. The um the bigger CO two lasers can do like a little bit of etching, mm-hmm. uh, but you need like 150 watts, and then right. I think you need like an oxid. I think you can you can cut some steel. Um, but it's very slow and you need like an oxygen assist or something. Right. Yeah. What's so. the off gassing like on metal? Is there any, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's anything bad. No, no. Cause like if, when you use like a acetylene torch, torture, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I guess it's mostly the plastics that are, yeah. Like you can't, don't put any PVC oh, or anything you make, like uh, death gas. Yeah. <laughs> like that makes like ammonium chloride or something. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be that'd be good uh, uh, murder plot, you yeah. Know, like, uh, 
you know, you're working. The Maker Murders. <laughs> I watch a lot of those British murder mysteries. Okay. Yeah, so they're always like, how did, how did they die? Oh, did you guys hear about the, where was it, Kansas City or something? Like these three dudes went over to their buddy's house for a, to watch the football game, and then nobody heard from them, and then they went to the house, and they were all dead. What? Yeah. I think it was Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City just played last weekend. Let's see. Football fans found dead. It was like one of the lowest temperature games ever played. But the guy whose house it was was alive, and it was like three days later, and the, and uh, like the, the people show up, they're like, "What's going on?" Like we've been looking for you, and he's like, <laughs> like showed up in his underwear to the door, or some kind of thing. Authorities in Kansas City, Missouri, are investigating after the bodies of three men who reportedly gathered to watch football were found outside a home last week on a day when forecasters said the temperature dipped well below freezing. Uh, the men, all between ages 36 and 38, were found dead the evening of January 9th at a house in Northland, northern suburb of Kansas City in Platte County. The Kansas City Police Department told USA Today, uh, Tuesday police said officials from multiple agencies were working to determine how the men died. A spokesperson with Forensic Medical Medical of Kansas, located in Kansas City, confirmed the dead as uh, Ricky Johnson, David Harrington, Clayton McGinney. According to information from police captain Corey Carlisle, on the day they were discovered, the fiancé of one of the men visited the home to check on him, found a body on the back porch, and called 911. Police, no obvious signs of foul play. So what, they go out, get drunk, go outside, and freeze to death? I guess. Pretty freaking drunk, man. Officers responded to the scene at 9.51 p.m. Police said, uh, police said, confirmed that there was a dead body and upon further investigation located two other dead bodies in the backyard. So three guys dead in the backyard. But the other guy, what does it say? Resident at the house was cooperative with detectives the day that the men were found dead. He didn't know there were like three dead friends in the backyard? This case is 100% not being investigated as a homicide, uh, Bikina said. I guess I think that's the police chief. Is fentanyl involved or something? I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. Let's see. No update. Yeah, like, you know, your three buddies are dead in the backyard and you don't know? Right. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, they were here, but then they went outside and I didn't see them again. <laughs> There's something fishy going on there. No foul play. <laughs> well, maybe we didn't find any signs of foul play, but it definitely sounds like foul play. Yeah. Or, I mean, real stupidity. Or, like you say, drug use. Right. Yeah. People, three guys don't just die. Right? Yeah. Yeah, where'd, where'd Dave go? I don't know. I'm going to check on him. <laughs> Where the heck did Dave and Steve go? Ah, let me go take a look. Doesn't make any sense. I, mean, I got to see if there's an update. When's that article from? That's from 22 hours ago. That can't be. I get on Twitter. Everybody knows everything on Twitter. Kansas <laughs> City. Fans found dead. Families demand answers after mysterious deaths of Chiefs fans. This is what I'm talking about. A little more salacious. Family and friends are demanding answers after three men were found dead outside of a Kansas City home. Blah, blah, blah. 
Two days later, the men were found dead in the backyard of the residence with no apparent sign, no apparent signs of foul play. What are they expecting to find? It's, I mean, two days. The guy who's survived and whose house it is doesn't report anything. Doesn't. It, Family and friends believe circumstances around how these men died don't add up. I'm furious. Everybody is furious. Jennifer Marquez, the mother of one of the victims, said, nobody believes this story. None of his friends, none of the families, none of us believe it. Marquez says her 37-year-old son, David Harrington, went to a friend's house to watch the Kansas City Chiefs game on January 7th, but never came home. I don't know. Oh, friends and family say they made several attempts to contact the homeowner who hosted the football gathering, but they could not get a hold of him. Beyonce and one of the men went to the home, knocked on the door to no avail, and then broke into the house. Beyonce then reportedly found one of the bodies and called the police. Homeowner reportedly told police the men froze to death as temperatures dipped below freezing in the area. Kansas City Police Department said they are waiting for the medical examiner's cause of death for the three men before, jump, before jumping to conclusions. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I hate to laugh at the, at the death of these guys. Right, but right. The uh, circumstances are... Ridiculous. Yeah, they froze to death. And I didn't, you didn't report call them. anybody. I mean, he's on the back porch. You haven't looked out the back door? Right. I've never froze to death, but I seem think it'd be a little painful at a certain point where you're like, oh, yeah. I should go inside. And th- like, and I, three? I could see yeah. one, you know, maybe one guy got so drunk maybe that like he went. Out, yeah, yeah. And then like the door locked or something like that. But three people? But and yeah. then you don't notice him for two days. You don't yeah. like. Yeah, I haven't heard from Steve. Like even after an hour, right? Like you text yeah. him or something. I mean, unless everybody got real fucked up, maybe they were. They must have been on some kind of drugs. Yeah. So they all pass out. Three one, of which are outside, and three guys are outside, and then the guy who wakes up for inside is too afraid to call the police. I mean, how long does it take to freeze to death? It'll be a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you'd probably go unconscious first for a while, right? Yeah. And then yeah. everything kind of slows down. But why? I mean, why would they even go outside? I don't want to smoke, smoke a cigarette yeah. or something. I don't know. A little crack inside. The wife yells at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the, this guy doesn't have uh, much going on. <laughs> I'd really love to see some video of this to get a real picture of. Of the who, house and everything, of yeah. Of who we're dealing with. Yeah. Well, what? I guess you could do the police body cam eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if the guy was home when the lady broke in. Like, he yeah. was there, but she had to break in to get in. Oh, yeah. Because I, I read somewhere that she broke into, like, a basement window or something. Mm. Sounds awfully fishy. It's It's completely fishy. <laughs> yeah. No foul play. We're definitely not, <laughs> definitely not thinking oh. about this as a murder. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Makes me think of, like, Fargo or something, you know, that show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, John was just saying that that, mm-hmm. that was really good. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you ever uh, saw as an EMT? Oh, geez. Um, um, craziest is in, like, actual crazy people or? Um, like somebody getting impaled with something. Oh, uh, <laughs> had a k- kid who had his face run over with a dirt bike. Oh man! Yeah, they flew him out. So he lived, and uh, we took the guy. So the guy was drunk on a dirt bike, hit the kid. Wow! And like, but uh, how young? 
He was like elementary school. Wow. That's terrible. Um, so, but then we, so they flew him out and then uh, we took the guy who hit him and he had a open femur uh, fracture. Wow. And uh, like, I mean, what he did was unthinkable, but like the cops were just like beating the crap out of him. And then like, you see the bone stick, you're like, oh, geez, like it was a little much. So he, he hit the kid and then crashed the bike? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that's what the cop, they crashed the bike. Yeah. So. <laughs> That, in the back um, room of the police station. But I had like, he fell on these batons. Yeah, that, that was like probably the craziest trauma. Um, but I, I, I did a whole bunch of psych transports. Uh-huh. And um, a lot of times when you get committed, if it's involuntary, they'll, they'll put you in restraints. Mm-hmm. And uh, you read through some of these people's, uh, uh, you know, the, the paperwork. It was like an encyclopedia. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, some of these. The, the funniest one I ever had was, well, I probably shouldn't say funny because, you know, but the guy was uh, arrested running around naked on a golf course. <laughs> and uh, he was screaming he was going to the White House to meet Obama for lunch. And uh, <laughs> it probably wasn't even lunchtime, was it? <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, yeah, but like, and uh, so then we pick him up and he's in, a, this is from one facility to another. Mm-hmm. And he's just in a hospital gown. And he's like, I would give you a tip for the ride, but I don't have my wallet. It's like a comedian. <laughs> Is that something that like you get contracted out as like a as a first aid squad? They like so at that point I was working for a private ambulance company. Okay. Um, is that like Monarch? Is a I work for Monarch. That's uh, a private, right? Yeah. So Monarch doesn't exist anymore. Oh wow! So that was Monmouth and Ocean Hospital Corp. So uh, now I think it's uh, Barnabas or JF. There's like uh, a couple okay. major ones. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's like the hospital has their own ambulance now. Yeah. So I think what they did is. Uh, the hospitals kind of come together in a collective and then they create their a own cartel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was, I was working for a private ambulance company up in Somerville and they did a lot of transports. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And then, um, that guy was like, yeah, so I, I need to have kids so I can harvest their organs so I could have extras. Oh my God. <laughs> like checking the restraints. I'm like, this guy, you know? like oh, when shit. you show up for, for that, like an involuntary oh, yeah, it's transport, horrible. are there other, like, is there law enforcement involved or it's just you um, and another guy and you got to wrestle so, this guy in? So if, if it's like, if you're taking them from like, it's home, usually there's some kind of domestic thing and there's usually cops there. Mm-hmm. If you're going from like facility to facility, there's usually not. Yeah, like, they're in res- yeah, he'd restraints have to be like, already, probably. You know, wanted on legal charge. If it's just a mental health thing, it's usually... Yeah, just, they just have like and, a, yeah. yeah, somebody just brings them out to the, yeah. So in those situations, like you're not actually, I mean, I could see that you, you, the potential to provide care would be there, but you you don't have any, like, you're not doing anything medically. You're more just transporting. Yeah. This, so yeah. generally they're not uh, at the EMT level, like two guys, like they're, they're considered pretty much stable. Mm-hmm. If you're, if they're, you know, like, uh, cardiac care or something they're sending the, the advanced ambulance with a nurse and a paramedic and, oh, wow. and an emt so but uh yeah like know. people that are going to like i you yeah. know they're going from uh monmouth medical to i don't like, say this transfer probably doesn't happen monmouth medical to riverview for a procedure or something yeah you're, you'd be going to like a cath lab or like uh you know or like a burn center or something like mm-hmm. that but they're sending a critical care ambulance then um so yeah they they let the EMTs just deal with crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. There was one guy who was, I forget exactly what it was, but he had been convicted of murder in the past. Like he just like murdered this family. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not just one person. <laughs> and then I guess he did like his time and he got out and then he did something else and he was like committed and uh, he was knocked out on Haldol, which is like a sedative. And uh, we were going from somewhere to Trenton Psych. Trenton Psych was like, you don't want to go there. And he was in his sleep. He got out of one of the restraints. Oh, my God. I'm like an 18-year-old kid. I'm like, I'm jumping the hell out of here. If he's, yeah. <laughs> you know? My yeah. Uh, my cousin's wife, <clears throat> I think that's where she worked was Trenton Psych. Or it might have just been the prison. Right. Um, but she was like a forensic psychologist where right. she, you know, like was dealing intimately wow. with yeah. these like criminally insane people. So that's wild. Yeah. That's like, how do you leave that at the door? I, I was just <laughs> yeah. about to say that. Like, it's crazy. I mean, I watch these, uh, I mean, we were, we stay up at night. Yeah. <laughs> I watch these police interrogations. Yeah. We watched a couple in North Carolina where yeah. it's like, uh, video of a police interrogation and like somebody doing commentary and they have, usually they get like, a um, uh, attorneys and psychologists and stuff like that to, to make notes. And then they make a video about it. And some of the stories about these people, right. it's just like, you know, sometimes people just snap. They're yeah. like, yeah, he just had a psychotic episode. It's like, but he killed his whole family. Yeah. That's the ones you can't predict. Those are the scary ones. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, a lot of mental trauma, you know, over the, from 16 to 26 when your brain's still growing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Explains that, a lot, Ed. Yeah, you know, plus the ADD stuff. is like, this is why this podcast is exists. <laughs> How'd you get into EMT work? So, uh, well, my dad was a Jersey City fireman. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, right after 9-11, you know, you see everything. I got to do something. So then I got into uh, Office of Emergency Management in uh, Sayreville Fire Academy. But they never, like, let us do anything. We took all these classes. So then when you're 16, you can join the first aid squad. So then I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. And then after that, I just didn't leave until I got a real job. You know? <laughs> so. so how old were you at 9-11? Uh, well, I was born in 86, so... Uh, you must have been like a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we were in class when the towers came down. So, yeah, I was in art, I was in seventh grade art class. Okay. I right. was teaching at Canossi High School. We were right. all in school. Yeah. yeah. And the world was never the same. Right. No. Well, no. that kind of brought the whole vibe down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, man, our generation's really living through some, right. some shit. Yeah. Yeah, Global yeah. pandemics, post nine eleven world. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. I'm mean, on the brink of World War Three. <laughs> well, if you just turn off the news, your life's a lot better. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I was. I mean, I avoid the news mm-hmm. at all costs. But sometimes it just it just happens. Foists itself into your right. life. These yeah. things, you know, you're reading. It's like, oh, uh, you know. Um, Somebody uh, with those Houthi rebels firing on ships in, yeah. in U.S. ships. I'm like, what? What are we gonna do? What? How is this all gonna work itself out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did a bunch of bombing. Uh, us in the U.K. Like whatever last week. Yeah, I, I I'll skim the headlines like typically just on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Like I go to the news and just like kind of see, yeah. you know. And then it's like if something piques my interest, I'll read an article. But yeah, like watching the news on TV 
Oh God, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. <Bro. laughs> Especially the Fox news people. <laughs> oh yeah. And even CNN, you know, yeah. everything on CNN is breaking news, breaking news. Right. I'm yeah. like, how is it? It's all breaking <laughs> currently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, the state of things. So right. like, you know, real estate and, um, I mean, Jeff and I talk about this all the time. Like, you know, me growing up, a single parent working, you know, as a shoe salesman had, could raise a family and own right. a home. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, working the checkout at the grocery store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like some people did that for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And why shouldn't you be able to do that? Right. And it's a decent job. It, yeah. It's well, yeah, at least it used to be. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know what I mean? It's it's honorable to, to yeah. work. And, and now, to it, you know, you're either 16 or you're a uh, retiree. Retired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, um, there's, there's no end in sight. I, I was, we were talking about the, this the other day where, I mean, I'd heard about it peripherally, but I saw some like real news and real data about these Wall Street backed, institutions purchasing huge swaths of homes. Oh, the whole Zillow thing, right? Like BlackRock and um, I forget what the other, there's a couple other ones. Just, you know, these investment, I, I'm speaking outside of my uh, knowledge, but these big investment firms basically buying up all these single family homes, you know, like in eating a up the whole market. Like, like there was a neighborhood that gets built and they bought all Everything. the houses, 243 houses. They just bought them. Yeah. And then they get to set the rent and, right. uh, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it, um, you know, it's, it's, it should be illegal, I guess, but I don't know how to frame that, um, yeah. you know, in a free market. Like, how do you do that? But it, it's, it's certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, altering the, the, the market space and the, um, you know, the quality of life for mostly yeah, young people. Right. Yeah. Like how can you afford anything when that, that kind of stuff's going or on? Or there's just know? no opportunity. Right. It's, it's not available. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think the number of houses for sale and versus the number of houses that are for rent, you know, is probably the swing mm. has been. Mm-hmm greatly towards renting because you know like our landlord for example i don't know how many residential properties he owns in this town but Must. you know he just came after you know a couple of years after sandy bought a bunch of properties right, and now he rents them out yeah. yeah i'm saying that there's anything inherently wrong with that but you know there needs to be some protections for regular yeah. people too yeah protections that's a that's a good way to put it yeah. you know because um, we were here in Sandy, like mm -hmm. right across the street, and then you see all those lots. You're like, oh man, I wish I wasn't broke, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just buying the thing onto them. This he bought this for like a hundred and ninety thousand dollars or something. It was right. a dump. Yeah, he put I don't know. Let's say he put a hundred into it over the years, which I'm sure it's not. Even right, cool. he put a roof on it. Really, that was taxes. It. Right? Yeah. yeah, um, and there's a vacancy penalty in Keensburg, so he's oh, paying yeah, his yeah. penalties too. It's not it's not a ton. It's like five grand or something. But um, and now. You know, what's our rent for the year? You know, in yeah, three years, in, in, pay for it. in 10 years, it would be totally paid off. Right. Yeah. And we're paying the taxes. Yeah. I know you said you had a meeting at 
Uh, 2.30. Yes. Yeah, so. I, I don't know if that means you have to uh, leave here at a specific time. I have a little bit more. Probably if I'm here uh, at a, like 1.15, it should be Okay. Right. Um, Tell us about the scouts, man. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So the Cub Scouts. all the scouts. Yeah, so scouting. Uh, I'm a Cub Master for my daughter's uh, Cub Pack. So in case anybody didn't know, the, the scouts take boys and girls now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I deal with uh, the Cub Scouts, which is elementary school, and uh, you know it. It is a it's a character development program at the end of it, but uh, we do a lot of outdoor stuff, uh, citizenship. Uh, you know, um, there's some science stuff. Like it, it's a pretty well rounded program. Um, the the little kids they usually meet twice a month. Then we go on trips. And we go to the police station and the fire department and that, those kinds of things. But uh, you know, we like to get the kids together outside of school and they, they create new relationships and we do fun stuff. And then, um, you know, it's all in preparation for them to be, to be productive members of society. You know, we could use a couple more of those. Uh, yeah. yeah. Get them over here and give them all a broom. Yeah. So. <laughs> we're going to learn today. We're going to learn about sanding. Right. But yeah, we go over like responsibilities and duties and, and it's, it, you know, a lot of it's kind of getting them to realize, like, hey, it's not just them in the world. It's mm-hmm. there's other people too, and can't do things without people. You know. Yeah. So, I did. I've I've been went to a lot of training um, for the scouts. So I, I did their wood badge class, which is a, uh, it's a, a, a leadership training that was developed by Carnegie Mellon. Wow. Um. So it's five days in the woods. Uh, like it's for, it starts at like seven and it ends at like 10 at night. Like it's intense. And then you actually have to do kind of, sort of like a thesis. Um, you have to create projects that you have to do yourself that define your, your view of where you fit in scouting. So, um, I, I completed the class. Now I'm currently working on my, 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 they call them tickets. And then, uh, you know, I get to wear, once I complete the tickets, I get to wear, a a different color neckerchief. So <laughs> scouts love pins and patches, man. Yeah. So tell us but, a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah. So, um, a lot of it, my, one of my views is cause I was a scout as a kid and I got so much out of it. Like my best friend, just like lifelong memories and skills too. So I, my, my whole thing was like repaying the program for what I took. Um, and a lot of it was kind of trying to make, uh, the, the cycle repeat. So mm-hmm. kind of cementing things that, um, you know, for future generations. Mm-hmm. So I have some improvements with like our pack uh, technology and website and stuff. Um, one of the things is like when you go camping, like my view is one of the best parts is the food. <laughs> yeah. So in talking to people and I mean, you can see my family <laughs> physique here. I'm probably pretty experienced with that. Um, <laughs> We're right behind you. Yeah. yeah. So like a lot of people just do hamburgers and hot dogs and they're like stressed out. I'm like, man, you did like some basic equipment. You can cook some incredible stuff in the yeah. woods. Oh yeah. And um you ever uh watched the Andrew Zimmern, the bizarre oh, yeah. so his yeah. whole philosophy yeah. is you can go to a person who's a different culture, a different country, maybe even different language, but when you sit down and break bread with them, like there's this bond that there's yeah. this fellowship mm-hmm. you're sharing. True. So that happens in the woods over a campfire mm-hmm. when you're cooking whatever, right? So I'm going to put together a, uh, like a, a class. There's a, what's known as University of Scouting, and it's a peer-led kind of thing where somebody says, oh, I, I know 
a lot about this particular subject. I'm going to create a class. They're like 45 minutes to an hour. And so one of the things I'm doing is um, like meal planning, right? And um, when I took over this role, uh, I was thrown into it and I had to figure out like three or four different menus because I have uh, vegetarians, uh, Indian vegetarians, you know, uh, no restrictions. I have no beef and pork. And I have some kids that are just picky. So it was about like finding things that you could do to create one meal with different variations, you know, mm-hmm. like there's um, the classic that they teach everybody is the spaghetti and spaghetti meatballs, right? You cook the sauce and the spaghetti and the meatballs separate, take what you want. But then you can do chicken meatballs. You can do halal meatballs, throw garlic bread in there. You throw a salad in there and then everybody just takes what they want. Right. Right. But you know, you go on three or four camp outs and you're eating spaghetti and meatballs. It gets a little old, you know? Yeah. And it's like, we eat that at home. Yeah. Know? Right. Like, let's eat some camping, camping yeah. food. Yeah. Um, but I was lucky. Um, the past leaders kind of set us up equipment wise. So we have a trailer. I pull up there. We have a Blackstone. We have a camp chef burner. It's like 30,000 BTUs. Oh. Like, mm. yeah. So we can do almost anything. Um, so I did pizza in the woods on the Blackstone, <laughs> the mac and cheese, chicken fingers. Uh, I think we did tacos. And like, and maybe the little kids don't care so much because they're just running around finding rocks and stuff. But when you, <laughs> when you, when you connect with the parent, you're like, no, this is what it is. Yeah. Like it's it's not what we're eating or what we're doing. It's it's this quality time. Yeah. Like that. That's what you're gonna remember. You know. And then like you wake up in the morning and like it sucks the first night or two in the woods. Like you're sleeping on the floor. You're used to a Thermarest mattress. You know. But then there's like hot chocolate and coffee and like you you, you watch the. The, the steam come off the lake, you're like, oh, like, I get it now. Yeah. So a lot of times you can't tell them, you have to show them, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? So, like, that's kind of, that's one of the things we're doing, uh, some recruiting things. Um, so traditionally for the past hundred years, uh, a unit would have a, a recruiting night and we'd put in all our pins and patches and look like fake generals and be like, come to our meeting. <laughs> But families who didn't grow up with scouting are like, what are these weirdos doing? Yeah. <laughs> I will say there was always, for me, there was always like, and talking to you has totally changed my perspective because we've, we've talked about um, the Boy Scouts like, I don't know, half dozen times, right. like in depth. Uh, I always, I'm like, this is lame. Like, you know, I, I, I yeah. go play in the woods by myself. What do I need to go to the Boy Scouts right. to learn, you know, but not understanding what yeah, it's there's actually a whole all program. about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from an outsider's view, it totally is weird and lame. But like when you start looking at the reasons why we do things and the lessons we're actually teaching, mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that doesn't sound bad at all, you know? Yeah, it's like this is like a, re- you know, yeah. it's not just dicking around in the woods. Mm-hmm. There's real. Right. Yeah, what I mean, we teach them like fire safety and knife safety and survival. And, and you know, it, there's a lot of like life lessons there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if you look at the history, there was a, a guy named uh, Sir Robert Baden-Powell. He was a English general. Um, he finished up his uh, military career like right before World War Two, And he spent a lot of time in Africa. And then when he got out, he actually created scouting as a world peace program. Hmm. And he thought that the youth were the, was the, the, the method to get to this world peace. But because he was a military guy, a lot of the stuff he created was like military esque. Yeah. Right. And um, so, and, but if you actually go back and read a lot of the stuff that he's written is like scoutmasters should have the attitude of an older brother. Like we want them to have fun and we want to teach them stuff, but we also want them to fail. Because if they fail in this program, that means they're not failing later at life because they'll they'll learn from it, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. like, yeah, we'll give them like the little animal patches and everything, but there there's a process there. 
and even just things like, why do we wear the uniforms, right? So one, it's an equalizer. So if everybody looks the same, there's no more social economic differences. Two, it's a, a responsibility because the kids are supposed to keep it in good order. Mm-hmm. Three, it's a platform for them to um, have some achievement because the more badges and stuff they earn, they can display that and be proud of it. Right. So like on the outside, you're like, what are these weirdos doing? They're all wearing the same thing. But when you get into the, the mechanics of it, you're like, oh, that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so like even a lot of that stuff, I didn't even realize as a kid. But then coming back as a leader and, and um, you know, seeing it from the other side, you're like, oh, that's why I did that for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there, there's a lot to it. And I think it's a great program. It's just like, you know, there is the, those bad actors that did like there, there's no denying it that happened. Right. But they did irreparable harm to all the, the leaders that did their job and all the millions of scouts that had great times. Yeah. It's so, like that in anything. It's a right. microcosm of society. Right. So, but you know, and then there's, there's rules and there's changes and like that they're, you're, you're doing the best you can to keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, don't discount the, all the good that happened because of the bad stuff that happened. You know, yeah. like I can't like, no adult leader is ever alone with a, a kid. So there's always at least two, two adult leaders and everything's conducted in plain view. There's no, nothing's private. Like, um, you know, even if you have to like send an email to somebody, there's at least two adults on it. Like, so it even goes into that level of detail. Hmm. See if so, the Catholic church can adopt that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, well that, that's, that's that a protocol. problem too, right? Because, <laughs> Catholic Church was a lot of was charter organization for a lot of scout troops. Oh wow, really? So everything yeah. that was going on over there, yeah. a lot of it got unfortunately dumped on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of Catholic churches that are not renewing their PSA charters. Mm-hmm. So then all these kids and all these leaders that did absolutely nothing wrong now have nowhere to go, and then you got to scramble to find a new charter org or yeah. unit dissolves. You know. What, uh, like, if somebody who's listening wants to get their kids involved, what's, like, the time, financial commitments? So, How do they find yeah, a... Go to be a, uh, beascout.org, and you put in your zip code. And then, especially, like, in the Northeast, there's a lot. Yeah. And then you'll have a uh, contact information, and then you just call the, the leader or their representative and go to a meeting. And, uh, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to have a couple around, go to all of them and see. Because there's, like, a... With any group, there's like a vibe. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you go to a meeting, you don't feel right, go to a different meeting. Right? Yeah, you might show up and the leader's like a real militant kind yeah. of, and then, you know, the other. So every unit's going to have their own dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like some are very outdoor focused, some are very community service focused, some are skills based. So you just got to find the right one that's for you and your, your family. Um, for the registration, you're looking at about $100 a year. But if that's an issue, there's a lot of councils that have what's called Friends of Scouting. Mm-hmm. So it's alumni and businesses and, and charitable kind of, and usually there's enough money there where if you need need help, all you got to do is ask for it. So um, there, there's a, a mantra that, uh, you know, money should never be an issue. So, you know, I, I think every kid should be at least exposed to scouting. Yeah, and, you know. Those are the kids who need it the most, exactly. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. like, I, I, you know, scouting's not for every kid, but every kid should at least go to a meeting or two and see if... And it, it helps if the friends are involved, too, mm-hmm. um, especially with the little kids. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think every scout master or scout leader would be like, yeah, at least try it. If, if it's not for you, that's fine, but 
probably you'll like some aspect of it. Yeah. They do like open house kind of things, or it's just like well, if you're interested, you could just go to a meeting. It depends on uh, the unit. Um, I would say most cub packs, sure, you could probably just go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just call the guy or email him, and and then they'll they'll set you up. Where are the meetings held? Uh, it depends on the unit. Like my pack meets at a VFW, mm-hmm. um, so there's like firehouses sometimes at schools. Like, um, but they're they're local to the to the community. It's depending on where you. You are. And then there's events, I guess, that oh, encompass yeah. multiple. Yeah. So there's um, usually those are council level events. So like the camperies um, for like the fifth graders and older, there's a Klondike Derby coming up. Uh, so usually that's in like the February area. Oh, that's like a bobsled thing. The, the, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, they're like dog sleds. So dog gonna, sleds. Gonna oh, the, and they pull the. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so instead yeah. of dogs, you have the scouts, right? <laughs> the scouts you work as the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like a. I think we were talking about that lat. You were here like yeah, around yeah. that time last year. So I'm building another sled for the girls' troop, and I got some uh, old skis from uh, Facebook. And so it, the whole thing is it's a scout skills competition. So every patrol is competing against each other, and they, they have what's called towns. So there's like fire starting town and first aid town and cooking town. So they have to put all their gear in the sled and pull it around. Uh. And it's modeled after um, there was a really bad Alaskan blizzard in like the 40s. Mm-hmm. And the only way they could get medicine to these towns to get the sick people better was dog sled. So they take that theme and then create it, you know, 100 years later. Mm. And then we make the scouts compete against each other. But it goes back to that, like, we want you to actually fail at these things so that you learn and then later, if you ever need it, you know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, that must so, be hilarious to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, dude, the girls are, like, scary. Like, when they get going, it's like, I'll just step out of it. Here you go, man. <laughs> get <laughs> aggro. Yeah. I remember uh, third grade, we did, like, a whole thing with the Iditarod. The yeah. Big, oh, so, wow. Yeah, like, we, like, followed the whole thing through. Right. I forgot that was even a thing until just now. Yeah. So then there's a... Uh, oh, so, actually, for the adults... Uh, I heard there's there's rumor of um, Patriot's Path, which is the council I'm in, doing an adult uh, pioneering weekend. So pioneering is when you get, like, trees and tie them together and make, like, arches and stuff. So there was one couple of years ago where the older scouts did it, and they did uh, block and tackle, right, like, engineering rigs, yeah, and yeah. they lifted the ranger's truck off the ground. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, there was rumor of them doing that for, for leaders to go and, hmm. and, and learn. Oh, like making you, shelters and stuff or uh, more like structures like, okay like fire towers and oh like, wow. yeah so that's cool I, I maybe not on the podcast but after, i could show you the, the pictures that i have of what they did so mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's kind of cool because now as an adult i get to go back and, and do stuff that i had fun doing as a kid you know yeah yeah and you know it's good to have a, an outlet you know right this is like my church you know like because there's a fellowship there you're mm-hmm. kind of interacting with people and Kind of, it's a part of something bigger than yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are important so, lessons. Yeah. So, and and it's like you know, as a leader, <laughs> like the week leading up to it, you're like, ah, I'm making plans and this and this, and then you get grumpy, and then like when you see the kids, and then like you give them the lesson, and then they get it, you're like, oh, okay, like that. That's <laughs> that's why I do the that, reasoning. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I like what you had to say about the food. I, oh, I yeah. used to do a lot of camping when right. I lived out west. And I always swore that the, the best food you ever 
yep. have is when you're camping. Yeah, it's you, know, you have fire that, and, yeah, that yeah. hunger and you know yeah. those shared experiences. Yeah. And, I watch a couple guys on YouTube, uh, like one Australian guy, one uh, guy from New Zealand, a guy who lives in Alaska, <clears throat> and they make these videos. Like the, I watched one last night, a guy um, went out for like five days in Alaska just with a backpack and, you know, <laughs> right. and he, like you could see him eat, like, you know, and then he cooks and it's like, you can see him eating and it's like, that's like the best, you know, yeah. that food tastes the best out of anything because of the situation, you know, yeah. you worked hard all day, you've been hiking and, you know, it could be something simple, but it tastes so much better because. Yeah. You get a little, little ash in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a little dirty. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you call those little, Coffee pots, those um, mocha pot, yeah, like the silver ones. I have one. It's makes one cup, okay. and I used to ca- bring it with me on my right. backpacking. Everybody would say, "What are you bringing that for?" But then in the morning, I'd have that thing yeah. going over the fire. Oh yeah, and they're like, "Oh, you think you can make me a cup?" <laughs> like, no, I don't really have enough. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna do a pour over, because um, then I, all I need is a big kettle of boiling water, mm-hmm. and then I can do hot chocolate or. Or if people have different coffees. Because I was doing the percolator, and I usually burn it. Yeah. um, I had a buddy who had a, like, you know, this is his mom's house. He had a percolator, or his mom had a percolator. And, you know, this is, like, in, like, early 20s. You know, you you go out and get drunk and then wake up in the morning and have that percolator coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the old... Those all like, tin percolators. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The little glass knob Mm -hmm. on the top. Yeah. Yeah, you'd see it bobbing up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got any final words for us? Uh, I'm just, thanks for having me. I mean, it's kind of cool. Um, We're glad to have you. We've been yeah. trying to get you on for a while. I know. It's while. like. Uh, it, it's tough. With, with Mostly with the kid, right? So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, um, you guys as professionals, um, then the hobbyists, it's like this ecosystem that like everybody's kind of equal. And like, mm-hmm. you guys oh, help yeah. us out and. So, yeah, it's cool to finally get here and, you know, do the podcast. Yeah, we're, so, just, we're just regular folks. Great. <laughs> won't, be the la- won't be the last uh, we see on the podcast, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. The ADD podcast. We're just talking about <laughs> yeah. Band-Aids and politics and 9-11. These are the best episodes. <laughs> yeah. Just, just imagine what we're going to get into in the next one. Yeah, exactly. You start that Patreon podcast. Oh, my God. We didn't do our sponsors. <laughs> oh, okay. Real quick. When you need the right saw blade for the job, put your trust in Ridge Carbide Tools. That's right, because for over 50 years, Ridge Carbide has been producing industrial saw blades designed with exact specifications for the cutting results you expect. Before you buy, call Ridge Carbide and they'll help you determine the right tool that meets your needs and budget. And after the sale, Ridge Carbide provides sharpening services for all your saw blades, dado sets, router bits, and jointer planer knives. Located in Kansas, Ridge Carbide Tools provides high-quality products with outstanding customer service at a fair price. What are you cutting? In the beginning, I held this up so that I would remind myself that we wouldn't forget it. Yeah, and um, we got to talk about uh, our Sanders. Yeah, we want to thank you, Nita. Um, We did use those quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I just blanked. My brain just totally blanked out. Yeah, we did a lot of scuffing. Yeah. Yeah, no, those three by fours are, I mean, they're super handy. Matt, actually, from first two, just got one. Um, Corey, I know, bought one not too long ago. They're, um, it's one of those things where you really don't 
know what you're missing until you've yeah, tried it. Yeah. Um, you tried it at Maker yeah, Camp. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if maybe that's the best application, like but a just picture like frame. The form factor. You're yeah. like, oh wow, like it's like know? holding yeah. like a baseball, yeah. you know, and it's it's uh, super easy to control. Don't get the same fatigue. Yeah, you know, if you're really at it all day. Yep, I usually turn it down to the second lowest setting. Um, cause it's got three, three settings. The, mm-hmm. the first setting draws such little power that the vacuum doesn't kick on. <laughs> um, so I can't use it on that, but yeah, I use it in that middle setting. Um, I gotta try that. Yeah. It works great. So thank you to you, Nita. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well at that, we will, um, see everybody next week. Um, I was thinking about hitting up Walter, maybe seeing if he wants oh. to come on. I don't know. It's a little short notice, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Try and get another guest. We're, we're shooting for as many guests as possible this season. Right. People enjoy it and we enjoy it. Yeah. People are sick of hearing just us. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, in the shop, we did this. Yeah. Then, yeah. We're pretty boring. Right. Well, then the guest makes the content, right? You exactly. Have to be here. Yeah. It's yeah. like having a talk show, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, like, so, Ed. <laughs> promoting my book next time we're here. <laughs> So check out Ed on Instagram. Check out buttjoints.com. That'll bring him right to your Instagram, right? Currently, yeah. Yeah, so just go to buttjoints.com. And if you have any interest in the Boy Scouts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Send a message. My son has has expressed some interest in the past, so see if he's still into it. Yeah. They're fickle, the kids. Oh, I know. And yeah, (laughs) (laughs) the interests are so fleeting. Well, see you next week. Thank you. Take care. We truly appreciate you listening. If you want to support the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, share the show with your friends, or consider subscribing to our Patreon. We'll see you next week. Yeah.